Okay, everybody, welcome back to the Chronic Command podcast. This is Josh, your host, but of course, I've got a very special guest, and that's Mel, the Terrain Tutor. Mel, how are you going? I'm doing well, mate. How are you? Very good. I'm. I'm really just really glad that you've uh, that you decided to come onto the Chronic Command, mate. It's. Um, I've been a. Uh, as we talked off air, I've been a big fan of your YouTube channel, been following you for quite a long time. Um, and I really wanted to bring you on to uh, get the community to listen to your story as to how you actually got into a like wargaming, you know, miniatures and of course your terrain uh, making hobby. So mate, let's, ta- let's go back in time. Let's go back in the TARDIS and go back to where it all started, mate. So how did you actually hey, get into We're going to need a TARDIS <laughs> for that. We're going back to the time of the dinosaurs here, <laughs> where, where, the, where the story of the living Levita Loca started. <laughs> right. Uh, I've been asked this question a few times. And so I've got sort of like, I've got quite prepared and well-versed uh, actually giving the, you know, the answer. And my, my journey in wargaming, yeah, I sort of, the reason I am such a terrain maker is I was a terrain maker for about 10 years before I I discovered wargaming, okay? And the reason being is I I was the son of a a single mother and she owned a craft shop in North Wales. Now, being single, obviously, uh, there was no B-sisters or anything like that. So what this meant was that every weekend and every week through the summer holidays, I basically lived in a craft shop and, you know, I had some little toy soldiers and, you know, little plastic army men. And my mum used to have this, what do you call it, collection of railway merchandise, so railway scenics, you know, really basic stuff. But she used to get the railway guys come into it and they used to help me make dioramas. So about six or seven, I was making wire trees and I was making things like this and just playing with airfix models and plastic soldiers it was only 10 years later, yeah, that I actually moved, we moved back to England. We moved into a place called Stoke-on-Trent, where I live now. And I discovered White Dwarf, and I discovered there was actually a war game. Yeah, whereas I'd actually been making terrain for it for about 10 years. <coughs> mm, amazing. Okay. What, what what exactly was the very first thing you you laid, laid eyes on? What, what, what issue of White Dwarf was that? It was issue 124, yeah. 24. Uh, it was the one which had the very first battle report in, which was the 24-hour charity battle for Eagle Pass, yeah. Additionally, it had the rules for the Epic God, yeah, in oh. 40K, and the Eldar Lancing Knights for 40K, which were really cool. But basically, I found this magazine, and I opened it up, and I suddenly realized there was so much stuff, yeah, I could do. And, you know, we're talking, my my first gaming was third edition, yeah, uh, Fantasy Battle, yeah, which was the very first box set that GW did for Fantasy Battle. Uh, it was the Orcs Against the Elves, where you had the basic miniatures, and then what you had is you had, like, these cardboard pictures on little stands, for the larger like dragons and stuff like that that you moved around right the the kit also came with some cardboard buildings in it and i'd base the buildings put the buildings together i'd base them flock them and everything like that and made them into terrain pieces before i put the miniatures together yeah (laughs) so that's that must be the fourth edition high elf versus goblin set i think you're referring to yeah ah is it fourth edition yeah Long time ago, so many editions, so That's many right, editions. Man. That's right. Well, that that was basically my first real foray into Warhammer Fantasy. I bought the third edition book. But wow, it's so it was just so overwhelming. The rules and everything, that kind of thing it was just too complex for me to get my head around. But the fourth edition set was so much easier. It had all the miniatures, had the rules that which are more digestible. And yeah, you, like you said, you got the terrain, you got everything in it, dice, the whole lot. Yeah, yeah. I do remember. Do you remember Warhammer Siege? Yes. Oh, that was a beautiful book. I actually had the castle. I don't know where it is, but I never threw it out. But I don't know where it is. And I think it's at the ex-wife's. Right. Yeah, which is lucky because I'm on good terms with her. So I might raid the attic. <laughs> she hasn't set light to it. That's good, mate. Yeah, I actually... No, no, to... I'm on really good terms with my ex. We just... we After 25 years, our lives just went in different directions. Yeah. But we still remain really good friends. So it's like... 
As, as a, a divorced dad goes, I've got the best of both worlds. Yeah, mate. No, that's been one of the things about your live streams, and that's where I really sort of found out about you during the pandemic. You did like daily live streams, which I would catch in the morning because I'm in Japan. It's obviously a nine-hour difference between you and me, but I would catch those and watch them and listen to your um, stories uh, before I went to work. And uh, yeah, you, you, you're quite candid about you know your a your mental health and your situation with your you know personal life. And you would share all this with your uh, fans that would join you on your live streams and that kind of thing. So you've been quite open about your whole situation, mate. You know the whole roller coaster of life. If, to be honest, it was never an intention to be quite open about life and that sort of stuff. But because the channel goes on in my life and it is such, yeah, part of my life. And I, you know, with my mental health and with chaos things, you cannot hide that from a channel. And you know, little bits came out, and I just reached a point where I'd just tell people. You know, obviously within the confines and within confines of family information because of the kids and stuff like that. But, you know, it just got to a bit where it was more of an open book. You know what I mean? Yeah. And so with the regards to the channel stuff, I'm just quite honest about it. But I'm, I'm trying to do this major focus thing of, you know, focusing on the terrain and the hobby rather than, you know, the health and the well-being, so to speak. Mm. Yeah, we've had a couple of years. It's been a bit of a, a roller coaster. And now I just want to get really stuck back into the hobby if you know what i mean yeah no it's been it's been great to see you back mate because i've been really happy and i think a lot of people who who are sort of you know, your dele dedica dedicated you know terraniacs out there are really happy to see you back on and talking and at least doing the live streams and then you know you, you're just sitting there building stuff during the week yeah. in your little i think it was thursday or tuesday or wednesday night or whatever that you just sort of sit there and put an mdf kit together and you sort of just talk to the guys as you do it kind of thing and um, yeah, you, you've you know you've got quite a lot of people who really appreciate that or feel that you know the content you give, even if it's just a live stream, they feel that it's really worth it and it makes their week and it's just nice that they can uh, listen to you talk about stuff, you know. Yeah, well, we're on a little bit of a roller coaster, but we're on the upward bound. So, you know, I've got plenty to come, and I've had some watch clips, some small scale terrain turn up today from TT Combat. So. Oh. Yeah, my lads sort of like really like, yeah, we should get into this drop zone thing. Okay. So we're, we're sort of like, I'm sort of buzzed on the terrain thing. So I'm in the studio tomorrow. I've got more content to film. So hopefully we're going to be rolling out with proper terrain videos rather soon as well. So oh, onwards good, and mate. upwards. Nice, anyway, mate. we better get back to this chat about my childhood. Yeah. <laughs> so you, right, you, so you said you started off with fourth edition fantasy. Did Was Warhammer your true love or was it another game system, either with Games Workshop or something else? Oh, Warhammer was my true love. Yeah, I wasn't much for a 40K person. Mm. Yeah. Uh, and the reason being was that at the time, 40K was actually quite small. You know, it hadn't got to its box sets versions yet. Yeah. yeah. And so, you you know, you could buy, you know, the, the plastic beaky marines. And I did have them. And I did have the 40K book. But we never really played it because it was still, 40K was still in its, Kind of, it, it was still a role play on tabletop, if you know what I mean. The rules yeah. were ridiculously complicated. Yeah. You know, there were charts for everything. Yeah. And so it, you know, Fantasy Battle was just a bit easier to play, but we went full bore into Fantasy Battle. Yeah. It cost me my A levels. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, we yeah. had two Mighty Empire sets, me and my mates. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I I played Undead, Reedy played, what you call it, Dwarves, and Tosh played Elves. So we basically had the three major three major factions of the old world. Right. Yeah, and we bought two, what you call it, two Mighty Empire sets with the old Hextile maps. Oh, yeah. Wow. Yeah, nice. the campaign one. Yeah. Yeah, that came with, like, the campaign rules. Yeah. And we put these tiles all together to make a single sort of island, single continent. Mm. Yeah. And we battled over that thing for like eight months. Nice. Yeah. And we had Man of War as well, which Brilliant. was the old naval game. Love it. Yep. Yeah. So all our naval conflicts, yeah, were resolved using Man of War. And as I said, I had Warhammer Siege. So all the sieges of the castles, we resolved playing Warhammer Siege. You know, and I'd made siege towers and ladders out of balsa and stuff like that. 
I'd spray the that was my first discovery that watch clothes spray cans to actually melt polystyrene because I melted my castle. <laughs> it looks more like a Nurgle castle. Yeah, well, some yeah. sections of it. <laughs> I don't think you're alone. I don't think you're alone there, mate. I think I've done I think I've destroyed things with a rattle can in my time with oh, polystyrene. Yeah. Yep. Oh yeah. But no, watch got it. Uh so we played that and I pretty much played that until I was about 18 and you know the army came calling along with beer and, and ladies. Yeah, mm. and I lost interest in war wargaming and everything completely. Yeah, and then that continued probably for about another eight years till I was in my mid-20s. Mm. And I don't know when I'd done this, but when I was in my mid-20s, I was sorting through some, you know, some stuff in the spare room when I was with, with Kez, and I found this little box. And in this little box was 18 steelers, the paints to paint them, and some paintbrushes, mm. just like a little travel painting kit that I'd obviously put together like a decade ago. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, I'll do these at the girlfriend's or something like that. And I found it. And at the time, I, you know, work was quite stressful and that sort of stuff. And it just became a distraction. Mm. Yeah. And what started off with eight gene stealers ended up with a Tyranid army where I was running like six units of 30 Hormagorns. <laughs> <laughs> it was a beast. I mean, it ended, ended up on Bella Lost Souls. They posted a picture of, of my army because I got that many models for it. Yeah. So I just went full bore. Yeah. But after Tyranids, uh, I got involved with a local gaming club. Yeah, after Tyranids, it became the Imperial God. After that, it was Grey Knights. Mm. Yeah, so yeah. big delve into 40K from there. Yeah. Yeah, that's a, that's a big change because, you know, you, you, your heart was set on Warhammer and you played that. Well, you see. And then you, went, you dove into 40K. going back into Warhammer. But when I considered it, it was like, there's no way I want to be buying and building units of 20 models for an army. Yeah. So I ended up building units of 30 models yeah, I was for say. an army <laughs> instead. You basically built like the equivalent of Warhammer army in 40K, but really. So, mate, uh, my approach to building an Imperial Guard army. Yeah. yeah. You know the Imperial Guard layout for it. It's basic. You pick one basic troop unit and that's your command squad and then your two watch clear infantry squads and then you've got all the add-ons mm. yeah the way i approached building my 40k army yeah for imperial guard was right that's one troop unit so i need five infantry squads five support squads two watch clip for one troop choice and i basically the entire platoon choice built the lot that's one unit yeah, and yeah. that's where I took for watch call it for literally. And then I have a veteran unit and a commander. So my approach to when I do armies is I go full ball. Doesn't yeah. matter whatever, it's just full ball. I want everything. I want all the toys. Cool. That's great, mate. And do you still actually have those armies in your collection? Uh I, I watch call it. The the Tyranids I gave away to a friend. Yeah, yeah. the Imperial Guard I've still got. Cool. Uh, I think the watch call it, the Grey Knights I sold to fund something at some point as you do yeah uh but no uh the imperial guard they're all still on the shelf proudly literally just behind me nice my med units and if anyone wants to go see my imperial guard uh just google corbania prime imperial guard and you'll find my old uh blog that i used to write right. with all the pictures of my imperial guard on long before i was the terrain tutor Wow. Okay. Well, we'll definitely need to get that link into the show notes uh, so people can go and check that out. Uh, I'm I'm interested to see what that looks like too, mate. So that sounds great. But when you go when you're talking about your Warhammer days in your you know in your early youth, playing Fourth Edition with the Mighty Empire's Mighty Empire sorry Mighty Empire's Castle, the Siege Book, the Man of War, and then you had the Mighty Empire set. You you are living the dream. You do realize that. Like people have yeah, just yeah. steamed to this. That's why it cost me my A level. Yeah. I was too busy daydreaming <laughs> about the old world, which is why I became a combat medic, and not a doctor. <laughs> 
No, that's that's wonderful, mate. Like, so I, I think that's you've achieved something that many people have never got to to do. So they're still reaching for that goal. You know, having all those three things together, combining the naval warfare with man of war. Man of war is such a great game, and I think we're going to have a bit of a man of war month next month uh, on on the Kranika Man because I really, really think it's one of the the true gems of the specialist game series that Games Workshop released in the nineties. Well. Two comments I'd like to I'd like to address the Man of War comment, but just quickly, just before we move on, I'd just like to point out that in my youth, my mother used to say, Why are you wasting all your time with these little toy soldiers? You'll never make a living with anything like with these. Yeah. <laughs> Something which I reminded her of when I showed her my hundred thousand YouTube silver play button. <laughs> <laughs> Well, so, yeah. soon to be two hundred thousand, I think. Do you get do you get another one for two hundred thousand? Yeah, I'm not far off. I I, I oh. don't actually track the number. I don't look at the numbers. Yeah, okay. uh, but I believe I'm not far off. My daughter keeps telling me that I'm probably just a couple of months away. Good on yeah, her. So, yeah, we'll see where she'll let me know when we're getting close, and I have to do a special watch. Got it. Right, the juicy stuff for Man of War. Do you know the dirty story about Man of War? What's that, mate? Tell me. That that it was ripped off from a French company. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah. That's why it disappeared, and there's never any mention of it in any of the White Dwarfs since. Oh, wow. Okay, please. Yeah, yeah. Basically, yeah, it was ripped off from. I mean, literally, the entire rules were basically picked up. It wasn't even. Oh, we like that. They basically just mirrored this French naval company game. They, I think they've got some sort of like because it was a naval game. They got some sort of third party designer in to consult. And this guy had just gone to this French game, basically thought they'll never figure this out, and took it. Yeah. And the reason why GW lost a Man of War got disappeared is because the French company hit him with the ban hammer. <laughs> oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. And that's Dude. why. That's why, with all the re releases of the specialist games and everything like that, there's no mention of Man of War. Yeah. That's why, whenever the, you know, it's like, 20 years of Warhammer or, you know, 30 years of White Dwarf, and they do one of those look-back articles, mm -hmm. they never have it in. Yeah. I was there in the shop when, when, what you call it, when the order came through to take it off the shelves. Yeah. So oh, there's, the, there's, there's GW's dirty banhammer story for you. And wow. even a dinosaur at times, isn't it? Yeah, well, that's very interesting. I've never heard anybody mention that, and that's great that you brought that to light. I, I wish to send my praise to the French company who designed those rules. They're absolutely amazing. I think uh, it was a good rule set, wasn't it? It was, yeah, because I'm not into They're naval wargaming. Naval wargaming just puts me to sleep, but Man of War has something really special about it. That well, I mean, GW definitely put their own spin on it with the magic and that sort of stuff, and the ships were brilliant. Yeah, yeah. You know, because obviously I played what I played on Dead, so I had the Necro Fleet. You know was, what I mean? Was there a Necro Fleet out though? But did they? Yeah, yeah, there was, wasn't there? I'm damn sure. In fact, I'm the, going to check. Yeah, the journal had the journal had the Undead Fleet rules, but I don't know if they actually had any models or whether it was a special mail order release. I'm not sure. Possibly, um, but anyhow, I'm oh, sure the Chronic Command community can tell me more about that. I know people. Oh, I People I need to know. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, let's see how you did it, mate, because um, maybe there was like a very limited release of them at, at a stage and they just did it for a short time through mail order and they just never were an official. Um, oh, I don't know. I honestly don't know now. Right, interesting. I've always wondered. No, no, there was. I'm looking oh, at was. it. I'm right. There oh, was. Cool. There was a watcher a rel in the realms of chaos. Yeah. Yeah. The Black Arth of Nagareth. Yeah, I'm right. There was an undead ship. Oh, you um, me I, I know I'm getting old, dude. But oh, oh, that's a dark. That's a dark elf ship. The Black Black Ark. Oh, in which case, I used to. I I, I got it and I painted it up for what you call it. Right. My, that's what okay. it is. But that's what you did. Right. right. Okay. Okay, no, that's fair. That's that's fair. cool. That's cool. That's a good way. I, I just remember having a ship with a skull on it. <laughs> Right. Okay. Now that that that's a that's a really good alternative, actually. Yeah, just turning the dark elves into an undead fleet, and you just make your own ships if you wanted to, and just make your own templates. But well, not just that; it's got towers on it, which yeah. are very much Dracula-like, aren't they? They are. Yeah. No, that's you cool. know, so it's an easy. Yeah. It was, you know, I can remember it went in well. 
Yes, it would have would have worked really well actually. Now you think about it, it's um, it just it looks yeah. You could make that you know sort of a floating necropolis or whatever. You know what I mean? Like it's uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It can be whatever you want it to be. That's cool. That's excellent, mate. That's wonderful. But no, it, it was a wonderful campaign. Mm. Yeah, absolutely wonderful. But I do love campaigns. I actually wrote a blog on that called Going on Campaign as well, right? Which was a, a load of campaign rules. I think Warren, uh, what you call it, a beast of war. I think I passed it over to him, and they put it up on their site. Right. But, you know, I, I I'm really big into the place in wargaming. So whilst we play war games, it's not just about the terrain. It's about the setting. For mm. me, it's like you know. The reason I like the terrain so much and creating the setting is because I like campaign play as well. Yeah. So the places have meaning to me. They're not just a random collection of nice painted terrain. It's this village or this facility. And I don't know when me and my mates are going to be coming back to this facility to fight over it, if you know what I mean. Yeah. And so that's why i'm big into the terrain and and you know what i mean and sort of like having these scenes set up yeah because that's my style of play i mean the idea of playing a a, a one-off game which has you know no meaning and no consequence yeah I don't actually find that fun at all to be perfectly honest yeah no I, I can i can i can relate to that i think now that now that i've come back into like the the hobby i really enjoy the narrative forms of gameplay i really was just turned off by like tournament play i really like narrative and just building up a story or having linked scenarios and that kind of thing i think that's far more interesting than uh, just a one-off uh game nowadays personally uh so that's good mate so that's great now did you ever get to play the wonderful epic space marine back in the day yes i did i awesome. ate eldar grav tanks <laughs> still hate them to this day where they used to pop up behind those buildings, take a shot and then pop back. <laughs> Cheeky gits, I'm sure you Well, I'd always have to have my watch club, my reavers with the Gatling cannons on ready in case they popped up. You know what I mean? Yeah. Was it ready or was it? Uh, it was Overwatch, wasn't it? Uh, ah, yeah. like a first fire. First fire yeah, yeah. So when they went out, Tosh played Eldar. Yeah. Yeah, obviously with it being L's. You know what I mean? Yeah, Reedy had squats, so we had a, we had one of those little squat land trains running around the table and that sort of stuff, and that thing was just chaos. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And all yeah. I can remember was, was, was Tosh constantly running his Eldar Titans everywhere to max out their holy sh hollow shields, because if they stopped, they were dead. Yep, that's right. Yeah, We used to play for money. We used oh, to bet really? fivers on games. <laughs> yeah, because you know what I mean? Oh, that's classic. I've never, I've never heard of anybody betting on a game. That's that's. Oh, that's... it makes it competitive. I bet. <laughs> Trust me, it makes it competitive. You know, it was small games, titans only, when we bet, and so you, you're not messing around, and it's quick. You know what I mean? Because with the small units, there's a lot of messing around, but when you're playing just titans, yeah, it's actually quite a quick game. Yeah. yeah? So we used to play small table. Yeah. I think with a thousand points, five are down each. Bang, in you go. And you, oh, I tell you what, that gets interesting. Yeah. Really always used to get gutted because there were no squat titans. <laughs> yeah, there were no. I think I think NetEpic sort of resolved that and gave them like template hit location sheets and that kind of thing. But yeah, yeah in space, they didn't space actually have titans themselves. So it was yeah. always my 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 Imperial against Tosh's watch called Eldar. Right, nice. Okay, great. Um, yeah, I do like. I do love a, and it's one of the games, one of the rare games where I feel like I'm really playing a war game, and that it creates its own kind of story or something. Maybe I don't know, but I just feel like you feel more like a general with Epic, don't you? Yeah, I feel that. You way. know what I mean? Like you're actually commanding an army because you've got no real. I mean, with 40k and stuff like that. Yeah, uh, 28 mil to 35. Mm. or 36 or whatever they decide it is today yeah you can still sort of sort of emphasize with the troops if you know what i mean you can still see a sit yeah but the moment you get to sort of like six mil and those sort of scales they just become arbitrary units of men you know what i mean 
to mm. throw into the into the meat grinder, which yeah. is very general like. You know, you can't even see their faces, yeah. and I like that. Yeah. You know, so I do have. Well, like I said, watch clip at the start of the show. Watch clip. Uh, we were talking with TT Combat because the people on my channel they've been really interested in me doing some small scale terrain. Yeah, and I've got some. I've got this idea for a board that I might pick up later in the year. Yeah, but they sent me to, uh, Drop Zone Commander, which is epic scale, and I've just been looking at the and it very much a flashback to those days of being like the, the general in chief. Right. Okay, that's awesome. I know. I know people in the comments have been, and and my my me myself has been interested in see what what you're going to do with your epic scale terrain, as it's sort of a popular, very popular uh, genre and scale within the wargaming community. So yeah, be interested to see what you do, mate, with that. Oh well, I've got a plan. Yeah, I'm going to make an epic board that's epic. Oh, yeah. that's awesome. Okay, that's great. Yeah. Um. So I mean, I've had a word with TT and that sort of stuff, and they're like, "Yeah, we'll we'll support that." So they're up for it. Plus, what you call it? Uh, they're on about hopefully coming on a, and doing an interview a bit like this with me. So, fingers crossed. You know, I can I can get what you call it, a bit of a, a interesting content topic. But I'm messing with all sorts of stuff. Anyway, back to 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 our childhood and games. Where else did you play back then? Where else was there? In game, games workshop, yeah. What can you think of that you played back then in those days? Were you into historical gaming? No, didn't touch historical gaming till much later in life. Mm. Yeah, probably ten years later until my mid thirties. Mm -hmm. uh, I got into watch it. So the story was, did sort of war on fantasy through my, you know my teens and that sort of stuff. Played what you call it, forty uh, k for about eight years. Yeah, until sort of like, well, probably about six years, until like early 30s. Then life got a bit chaotic and that sort of stuff. Mm. And I had to put wargaming aside. And then when it was time to pick it back up again, I actually found 40K just too much of a headache. Yeah, it had just gone so... Were, I couldn't get back into 40K. Yeah, I tried. But there was just so much to learn and know yeah. that I found... I was walking away from games with a migraine. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. Just from and so many rule books open, the learning curve. And then a friend of mine invited me to go watch club, go with him to a mate's house and play bolt action. Yeah, which is obviously nineteen forty k. Yes, and yeah, we had we had, I had a game of that, and it was just it played so easy. You know, and secondly, you know, with me having served, you know, I've got sort of an affinity with the British Army. Mm. Yeah. And so sort of the units and that sort of stuff, you know, it was it opened up a whole new world. So my later gaming phase was very much bolt action phase going into the troops in Burma and the Chindits and that sort of stuff. Yeah. But I'm getting back into the more the 40K stuff now. But in sort of a sort of a low level skirmish, I'm interested in kill team and that sort of stuff. So a little less strenuous on on the grey matter, if you know what I mean, and the paintings. <laughs> yeah, for sure, mate. Yeah, I, I hope you can get back into playing some epic as well because it's an an easy system in terms of like the rules are quite simple; they're not so complex. But there's, it's just like the individual units and what they can do, and you know if they have any special rules, that's where it gets a bit more little, a bit more crunchier. But the actual rules themselves are really quite simple and easy to play. So I hope you can get back into that too, mate, at some point. Yeah, that'd be good. That'd be good. Thing is, I mean, that's, I've got plenty of years in me yet, mate. Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> you mate. know what I mean. Absolutely. That's the joy of doing a, a hobby for your living. Yeah. Yeah. Every day's a vacation. Yep. <laughs> you know, I'm already retired and I'm happily working through my retirement. Yep, that's right, mate. That's wonderful. Yeah. Okay. Well, before we get on to the, uh, the YouTube channel and your, and your book uh, that you released uh, with Dave, Tal Dave, Dave Taylor uh, a few years back, we're just going to take a quick short ad break and we'll come back in just a moment to talk more about that. So bear with us. 
If you are enjoying this podcast and the content on the Crown of Command Games YouTube channel, then please consider supporting me on Patreon. Becoming a Stormboy allows you access to behind-the-scenes news, information on upcoming podcast guests and themes, video battle reports, and occasionally exclusive podcasts with special guests or fellow patrons. And coming soon are painting videos, which we made to give you the skills and tips on painting in the red period using modern paints and practical applications. And you can also access one-to-one -one painting lessons in the Ebby Lead Masterclass tier for a 40-minute personalized painting lesson. So check out patreon.com forward slash the crown of command podcast. Have you always dreamed of having your old Gangster of Armies professionally painted in the style of the White Dwarf Battle Reports of the 1990s? Well, let me introduce you to Ebby Lead Painting Studios Japan. As a professional painter with over 30 years experience and having a short stint working at the Games Workshop Nottingham Studio as a miniature painter in the mid-1990s, I now work as a full-time professional miniature painter, having the joy to turn your old love metal and plastic miniatures into life with saturated colour and of course with goblin green bases. For inquiries, please contact me via email at evyled at gmail.com that's E-A-V-Y-L-E-A-D at gmail.com. And please check out the links in the show description for my Facebook gallery page. And I hope to hear from you soon to start your dream project. Okay, everybody, welcome back. And uh, we still have Mel uh, from the Terrain Tutor here with us. Mel, mate, you, you started up a YouTube channel, which is, like we talked about before, has grown and grown and grown over the years with uh, i don't know how many videos you have uh, 731 videos on your channel which is just staggering um how, how yeah, did all this how does all this begin because we know about your wargaming history how you got into war games and you you found your love and passion for warhammer and 40k later how did this all begin mate it was it began with a breakdown quite right. simply I'd, right. I'd, I'd had enough of life you know reach one of those points where you know life and everything complete breakdown medicated all that sort of stuff mm. and i wasn't doing anything and i couldn't do anything you know and i was proper rotting on on the sofa you know and my wife just said come along just do something anything you know yeah. you know you're not my male like this you always do you know you always do your hobby yeah and i'd always just prior yeah uh just prior to to for, falling ill what you call it on my corbania prime I'd actually made some terrain videos. Yeah, mm. I'd tried YouTube and I'd put a video out. And you can actually find my old channel. It's called Corbania Prime. Right. Yeah, with my very first terrain videos made in my kitchen. Yeah, literally 10 years before I started the terrain shooter. Yeah, mm. I was putting, but I only put two videos on and I didn't even complete the project. Mm. But I sort of with this hobby, like, oh, well, I'd had this idea of you know getting back into it and like you know I'll do this YouTube thing, and so I did, and I just started this little channel because I'd got this idea that I wanted to teach terrain. You mm. know what I mean? Because I like showing people, and you know I've got a background in teaching. I spent a couple of years teaching in colleges, yeah. So it's mm. something I enjoy, and you know I just put this little channel together, and it literally was just for me to connect and do something and put some content basically i was i was just showing off my hobby and what happened was as i was doing little tutorials and people were finding them helpful i found that that made me feel better it mm. made me feel like i had worth and that sort of stuff mm. yeah so it, it just you know and the thing is it was never considered a living or i never expected a living but because of my illness yeah we were in sort of a position where we were sort of like financially supported so there was no pressure, you know, no one was expecting me to be able to go out and get a job. Yeah. So it was okay for me to sort of say, all right, well, I'll put my time into this. And my doctor and the mental health nurse was like, yeah, put your time into that. Mm -hmm. So it was like, I felt like I could without, you know, cheating the system and that sort of stuff and taking the mick, yeah. you know, because it was helping me to get better. Yeah. And I started off with a couple of, you know, joined a like small little group of other little YouTubers. We all had like, you know, less than a hundred subscribers. Mm. Yeah. And within six months I'd hit a thousand subscribers. Yeah. 
which and we were all sort of ticking along roughly about the same sort of pace about five of us yeah and then it took me a month to get my next thousand subscribers and then it grew and it grew and it grew and it didn't stop and i don't know why i still don't know to this day why 190,000 people would consider the stuff i put on youtube worth following yeah honestly but here i am so here i'm cracking on because the way i see it is if that many people think it's useful well i might as well make myself useful then and yeah <laughs> We're glad we're glad you, know, you what did. What else am I gonna do? Yeah, exactly. Go back and shuffle paperwork. Nah, I'll help people with the hobby. If that's where this little life of adventure is taking me, and it's been a roller coaster, there's been no doubt about that. But that's the story of my life, to be perfectly honest. I wouldn't expect it any other way. Yeah. <laughs> In fact, if it was plain sailing, I'd be extremely concerned. Yeah. So, you know, the fact is, I'm still here, I'm still doing it. People still love me doing it, so I'm enjoying it. Crack on. That's awesome, mate. Yeah, there's such an enormous wealth of knowledge encapsulated in those videos that, yeah, I would recommend to anybody if if you haven't seen Mel's YouTube channel, go in there because, you know, as part of the Chronic Command, we're all into the old school terrain making, and that's what Mel does. That's why I was attracted to your channel. You you did it the old way, that was featured in those White Dwarf modeling workshop articles with uh, Adrian Wild, I think was the. And Dave Andrews and you know Phil Lewis, all yeah. those guys who made all that beautiful terrain. Well, you know Dave Andrews is a mate of mine. Oh, okay. Well, that's that's awesome. I, I love Dave. Yeah, yeah. Love Dave Do you know what it's like having the head of the terrain design studio <laughs> Games Workshop hit you up and say, "Hey, I'm a big fan." Oh, that's brilliant. <laughs> that's excellent. Well, that's the old the, the 15 year old Warhammer player was like. <laughs> I used to, you know, his his dioramas in White Dwarf yeah. was one of the things that inspired me. You know, yeah. what he did, what Dave doesn't know is, I have this sort of thing that when I'm really sort of lost and down with my mental health, I go to Warhammer World mm. to look at the dioramas, and there's one diorama that I go specifically to look at because it's there and it's one of the ones that I remember from my childhood, and it's made by Dave. Yep, you know, so literally, you know. But his work inspires me, and he's an, a fan of me. It's it's crazy. I told you, my life is not normal, mate. <laughs> no, he's a, he's an absolute legend. He's he's one of the all rounders. I like to call him all rounder. Oh, mate, he's great. Absolutely he's a, great. He's an illustrator. Yeah, Mark Bedford's another one, another terrain right. guy. To be honest, yeah, what I want to do is, and, and I want need to get myself better because I had a bit of a relationship with Games Workshop just before the pandemic. Yeah, and then with the pandemic and my sort of personal life, you know, I I. The, the channel dropped and I did, you know, I lost that connection. So I've still got the connection with the people. I just don't have the formal connection with the company. You know, mm -hmm. I'm not part of the Warhammer community team anymore. Yeah. Nice. Cause I didn't keep it up all that sort of stuff. <laughs> yeah. And new people have come in and taken it over. Yeah. yeah. So once the channel's up and running, what I want to do, yeah, is still rebuild that connection. Then I want to get the old terrain builders from GW and actually interview them about terrain. Yeah, you know yeah. what I mean? Because no one ever does. Yeah, no one's. Right. You know, they they talk with the sculptors and the painters mm -hmm. and this sort of stuff and the game mm -hmm. designers, but the terrain makers is the one guys they always miss out. Yeah, so I yeah. want to go up and like you know, get them all in a round robin and talk about you know behind the scenery of terrain at Gene. You know what it's like making those epic displays and that sort of stuff. But I've got to get in with them first because I've got to get like approval from like corporate. Right. Um, yeah, I'll, I'll be fascinated to hear, especially from Dave Andrews, um, who was there really from the start, you know, like early, like late 80s, maybe mid 80s. Oh, yeah, yeah. He was, mate. He was one of the early doors, you know, part of the original gang. Yeah. You know, so so it'd, it'd be a fascinating vid. I mean, I always love going down because I, when I go down, I'll message him and just say, look, if you're if you're around for coffee. You know, and occasionally they are, and sometimes, you know, they're not. You know, I'm not saying they all flock to me or that sort of stuff, but if they are, they'll come say hello and that sort of stuff. Yeah. You know, and I love sitting down with Dave and just having a coffee with him and just talk about, you know what I mean, what he's working on and that sort of stuff. Yeah, no, that's brilliant. And he's still, yeah, he's still actively uh, involved. Oh, he's going nowhere, mate. Yeah, yeah. He, he, he's terrain, you know what I mean? Yeah. 
Uh, that's awesome. Uh, so that'd be that'd be really interesting. So you yeah, like I said, we've got you've got a massive following on your YouTube channel, and I think, and as, as I said before, people should go and check it out if you like the old school style of terrain, using like you know Javis Flock, and PVA, and you know uh, foam and all this kind of stuff. Mel does everything. He shows you how to make rivers, roads. You know, you name it. I think you've done it, mate. I think you've you've you sort of. You, it's not the end. As in, yeah, you haven't mate. exhausted stuff, but yeah, you've you've covered a lot of stuff. You know what I mean? Oh yeah, yeah. I've covered a lot of stuff, but there's still tons to do. Oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah, mate. I'm looking forward to it. <laughs> now, at some point in uh, along this road during your YouTube channel uh, life, uh, you were approached by Dave Taylor. I, I would assume to make a book about terrain making. Yeah. Do you want to hear the story? I would love to hear the story. Okay. Yeah. I'm covering Salute. Okay. Yeah. So Salute's big war game show down in London. Yeah. Now, I'd gone down, gone down with my mate, and we we booked into the Hotel de Sin. Yeah. Now, the Hotel de Sin is the next to the convention centre. There's obviously hotels, you know, for people attending conventions. And it's called the Hotel de Sin because all the traders come down and set up a sort of or come down the night before and they all stay in this one hotel which basically means in the evening before before salute basically the entire industry or a good chunk of the industry is in the bar getting drunk okay <laughs> yeah yeah so i wander down with my mate and i walk into the bar and immediately across the entire bar i can see faces at the various tables that i recognize so i just basically shout has anyone got a spare seat for a for a youtuber yeah and Dave Taylor waves, yeah, pulls yeah. open this chair. Yeah. So I'll go up to him, sits down, says, What are you drinking? Say vodka, make it a good one. Yeah. So anyway, yeah, Dave goes get a vodka. Now the thing is, I already sort of knew Dave because mm -hmm. uh, as you know, Dave uh is uh and he Dave does a his own 40k blog, yeah, and he mm -hmm. did these blood pack models. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, at the time. Back when he was doing his, his blood pack guard, that was the time I was doing my Imperial Guard and blogging about it. And we used to connect a lot on Blogger, yeah, mm. to the extent that my ex-wife helped design his blood guard tattoo that he's got. Right. Okay. <laughs> so I, we, I'd already sort of had a relationship with Dave long ago before I became the terrain tutor as sort yeah. of like just hobbyists and back then he was the amazing dave taylor and i was just the hobbyist mm. so anyway dave he gets me a vodka yeah and we chat and we have more vodkas and more vodkas and i get absolutely wasted he gets <sighs> me drunk as hell yeah yeah anyway i wake up next morning hangover as hell ready to go down for a survivor's breakfast and get my, you know, get myself squared away, ready for do a day of filming <laughs> and walk 14 miles around salute like normal. Yeah. yeah. And my mate goes, do you know you agreed to do a book last night? And I went, did I? Yeah, he says, yeah, Dave, you agreed with Dave, you're going to do a book. Because Dave had already done his book by that point. Yeah. yeah. And I thought, I'd love to do a book. So the first thing I did when I got into Salute was find Dave Saylor, find out if he did offer to do a book with me, yeah, and agreed, yeah, we're up for that. And that's where the story of what you call it. And then literally, yeah, the next day, Dave caught a, a train from London up to Stoke to come see me, yeah, in my studio and everything so we could talk about the book. And I think I drove him over to Nottingham to where he was supposed to go to, yeah. But... Basically, the Friday night for Salute, I met with Dave. He got me drunk. The Sunday after Salute, he was in Stoke. We agreed we're doing a book before he before he even headed back over to the States. Yeah. And hey, presto. Yeah. That's how that adventure started with a vodka. Bloody hell, mate. Now, what a... What a, what a great story. I didn't know about that. That's excellent. So, I told yeah. you, everything's chaotic. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks to some vodkas with Dave Taylor at Salute. You got me drunk. And then so my warning is, yeah, if you're very proficient, yeah, in, in the hobby community, yeah. and Dave Taylor invites you for a drink, yeah, just be aware of what you're signing up for before he pulls that <laughs> chair out. It's that sort of smile of his and the little, you know, sort of, you know, he, he loves you, isn't it? 
He's ruthless. Absolutely yeah. ruthless. Yeah. It's good, it's good, Love mate. you, Dave. Yeah, good, good, good guy, Dave. Um, he is. I can't speak highly enough of him. Absolutely. Uh, and um, so, I, and I imagine, like, as you did a lot of live streams during the process of this book and making it, it was in a massive undertaking, mate. Oh, it was. You know, especially considering we had a pandemic hit and my lung popped and I almost got ventilated and all sorts of crazy stuff. Yeah, it was a challenge. And in all honesty, yeah, I cannot speak highly enough of Dave through that. And not just getting the project completed, but helping me get through per some personal things and that sort of stuff and mm. seeing me to the other side. Yeah. There were times when we didn't think that we were going to do it. And because of the pandemic, the shipping costs went through the roof. Oh, yeah. I mean, we priced everything pre-pandemic, you know, right. and we raised the money pre-pandemic. Yeah. But when it came to paying the bills for the shipping and the printing, etc., yeah, that was pandemic. Mm. You know what I mean? And it was ridiculous. It was a crazy time. But, you know, we fulfilled. Yeah. Yep. And, you know, we fulfilled in spades. I mean, I, I always say to, to Dave, you know, we produced a hell of a book. No one speaks badly of it. It's never had a bad review. Oh, it's had one bad review. Someone on Facebook, yeah, when I, I, read, I read a comment when someone asked if someone was worth it. Someone re replied, only if you're rap looking to wrap chips up. Yeah, so I replied, no, it's no good for that. The the, the paper's too high quality and it's glossy. It wouldn't soak the grease up. <laughs> <laughs> but that's the only bad comment. Wow. Yeah, mate, it, it, it's a, it's an amazing cover, right? Like, look at the cover and I think, is it like a photo of, like, you know, some kind of scenery out <laughs> out on some kind of rocky outcrop or whatever, but it's actually your terrain. I mean, that's that's a that's a section of terrain you made. Uh, which which uh, fills the cover of that book. Well, that was the reason why we picked that photo out of everything. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because we just wanted to go look, look what you can do just with some basic materials and some basic colours. Yeah, it's the understanding. Yeah. yeah, that's all it takes and practice. I can't give you the practice, but I can give you the understanding. Mm. Yeah, no, for sure. It's uh, it's a really, it's a wonderful. Like I don't have it personally, but I, I'd imagine like you know getting back into terrain, doing the stuff with the Crown of Command and that kind of thing, it would be the essential thing to look at for the process of you know like I've 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 come across it now too, coming back into making terrain, like warping stuff, you know things like that. The early mistakes you make without knowing the prior knowledge of okay, you should really you know seal that before you you know start gluing things to it or before you start painting, you know look at uh, the ways you could. Um, properly seal down like flock onto a board and that kind of thing, the glues you need and all that, you, you, you sort of cover all that in your videos and in the book, I take it, yeah? Oh, yeah, all covered. Yeah. Absolutely. Mm. Yeah. Yep. I, I must say, like dealing with flock again, mate, it's one of the most filthiest bloody materials I've ever had to deal with, you know what I mean? It just Why? goes everywhere. <laughs> really? Yeah, yeah, it's just it's just everywhere. All of my floorboards, I just cannot get it sealed down. So your yeah, either this book or your, you know, I, I watched some YouTube uh, videos that you've done about um, gluing down flock and that because it yeah with flock it just comes off over time. You know what I mean? Like having to seal it down and that kind of thing. So I found your videos really really useful in learning about how to like okay, you've glued it down with the correct glue. How do you seal it down? And that yeah. kind of thing, those kind of those kind of tips that you give um, is really really helpful for uh, people who who are doing this kind of old style flock type terrain. Yeah. Oh, the thing is, it's got to be made for for play, hasn't it? It's got to yeah. be durable. Yeah. yeah. You know, people. You know, there's a lot there's a lot with terrain making where people go really fancy and that sort of stuff, and it's wonderful. It really is. You know, the beautiful pieces to look at. Hmm. Yeah, but my terrain making isn't about youtube views yeah yeah or looking great on a thumbnail yeah i've got how many years now we're talking i'm not talking in decades three i'll be coming up to four decades of wargaming under my belt soon yeah do you know what i mean yeah. so it comes from gaming and gaming with clubs and gaming with people and i make terrain to game with you know and to game for years with yeah and so that's sort of my focus. 
Yeah. You can still turn out really beautiful and fancy stuff with it, mm. but it's got to be fit for purpose. Yep, absolutely, mate. That's right. Uh, yeah, that's what I found too. Like, you, you got to make it practical for gaming, but still look aesthetically pleasing, and you know, still capturing that old sort of school style that that sort of you know graced the pages of White Dwarf back in the day. Oh, um, you wait till you come across the triad. I'll save uh, that for the planning section when you get reading, mate. But you'll love that. Okay, mate, that'd be good. I can I can actually access it from Japan here through Amazon. Um, which is good to know because I'm on that screen now looking at that, which is excellent. Oh, I'll, sh I'll shoot you the PDF version across because I'm sure Dave won't mind. Oh, that'd be great, mate. Thank you very much. And I'll, if you like, I'll do a review for you on the channel of the book. Yeah, yeah, that's that'd no worries. Lovely. Yeah, that'd be really nice for people to see that. Um, now, what what is the best way for people to access your book, mate, if they want to pick up a copy? Warlord Games uh, ships to pretty much everywhere in the world. Right. Yeah, but if you are in the US, yeah, you can get it from Ironheart Artisans. Right. Okay. Okay. I'll I'll leave links in the show notes for people to access those books from the country of choice. Um, yeah, I'd, I'd rather you know. And do you do you get some kind of um, um, uh, like a royalties based on? Yeah, that? yeah. Obviously, I get royalty Good. payments for okay. it as the as the author. So you know, buying the book helps me out. You know. That's good, mate. That's good. I want to. I want to make sure you get the most monetary return in the places where you buy it from. So it looks like Warlord Games, or it the... doesn't matter where you buy it from. My my royalties for the book are, are pretty much the same. So oh, as long good. as you buy it, you're helping. You're helping me. That's awesome, mate. That's great. Um, that's fantastic, Mel. Well, again, mate, thank you so much again for your time today. Um, I really appreciate it because I know it's like late in the evening for you there. Um, and I just want to, again, urge people to go and check out your channel, go and check out your book. Uh, I hope to bring that, that PDF as a video later on to keep like a sneak peek as to some of the sections that you cover in the book um, to help out our Karana Command community members when they make their terrain, mate. Yeah, that sounds absolutely brilliant, Josh. Okay, buddy. Well, you take care of yourself, and I look forward to your next video, mate. Yeah, look forward to see, seeing you too, mate. All the best. Okay, thanks, Mel. Take care. <laughs> a bit of a mess up there. Catch you later, bud.